Uh, this is great. It's so good to see you here uh, this morning. What an opportunity, a uh, great opportunity we have just to uh, be uh, in the outdoors and worshiping the Lord together. Uh, God is so good. So this morning as we gather together, uh, we do so on a day that has been marked in our history as a day that brought much sorrow, uh, many tears, and a lot of loss. Our country was never the same after 9-11. Many of us were not the same after 9-11. 9-11 opened many of our eyes to much of the evil in the world. While in America, we certainly didn't lack tragedy or hardship, for the most of us, we only read, though, about those evil ideologies and philosophies that existed overseas until they came over our borders and killed our people. While it was a painful time for so many, it was also a time for a season that seemed to really bring out the best of us as Americans. Not only was there national pride unlike many had ever experienced in their lifetime, but it was a time where people gathered together for time of prayer and for worship and for encouragement. It was a time where we shared in, in tears and in laughter. In times of sorrow and times of joy, we came together. We gathered together in times of grief and in times of rejoicing. Our churches were full on Sunday mornings. Our people were praying. Our Bibles were being read. Hope was renewed as we came together. We saw heroes emerge from the rubble of those buildings. They didn't fly in wearing capes and tights, but instead they were dressed as, as police officers, firefighters, paramedics, nurses and doctors. It brought the best out of so many. We must never forget the events of that fateful day and the heroics of, of so many 21 years ago. A time where even in our pain, we sang, God, God bless America. Remember? With such appreciation and such pride and such zeal. Before I continue in our word this morning, I want to take a moment of pause and ask you to stand with me as we together sing that song as a prayer, as well as an appreciation. God bless America. Beside her and 
You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Thanks, brother. Those were extraordinary times. But as goes the cycle of every nation that endures hardship and turns the God in time, the pursuit of God wanes. The cares of life, the concerns of the day, and the fears that naturally come as a result of those things, they begin to cast a very dark shadow. The events of the last couple of years have certainly added to that. When COVID was introduced, once again, New York, like on September 11th, became ground zero. The epicenter of a national and global tragedy. Once again, loss was experienced. Tears were shed. Confusion and fear filled the hearts of so many as death was all around us, which led to the big lockdown that so many of us remember. People who were designed by God to be in relationship with one another were, were forced to be isolated, to be disconnected from one, one another. New words were introduced into our vocabulary, words like quarantine, social distancing, self-isolation, super spreader. Words like pandemic became common words of our day. The dreaded word intubated. Lockdown, key workers, the list continues to go on and on even until this day. Well, I'm thankful that much of that is behind us. Although many of the learned ways, the nursed fears and understandable concerns have continued to linger and have left many good-hearted, well-meaning people still feeling very um, disconnected. And so this morning together today, we are gathering to say that what has been practiced in the past, it comes to an end today. The social distancing is over. With the introduction of those many things that are behind us and the awareness of how out of control we really are regarding what tomorrow may bring, I want to encourage you and remind you that we are never without hope because our great God holds our today and our tomorrow in his very hands, doesn't he? And you see, in the wisdom of God, he has designed the church in the same way as he's designed our physical bodies. Each part of our body mutually dependent upon the other part of our body to sustain and ensure health. And so hope happens here amongst the body of Christ when the body of Christ comes together. Today and next week, all across America, churches are setting this Sunday aside as Back to Church Sunday and declaring to one another and to all the world that hope happens here. 
hope, it happens here. When life doesn't go according to our plans, it's easy to become discouraged. When we feel out of control, we have the tendency to, to lose hope. However, when we find ourselves feeling this way, we must remember that God has a plan for each and every one of our lives. And we are never without hope. His plan is to help us and not to harm us. His plan is to give us strength to overcome. His plan is to hold us and to show us his never-ending love to us. The church, the gathering together, the people of God is where we discover and learn God's plan for our lives. And so hope happens here. We can't do life alone. We were designed to be together. I don't know about you, but have you noticed that the summer had seemed to go really, really quick? It seems like everybody I talk to says the same thing. It's like, man, the summer just blew by so quickly. Perhaps because of the events of the last couple of summers being what they were. Perhaps this was a time of, of great catching up, right, on, on wedding celebrations and anniversaries and family reunions and vacations. And, and those are all good and those are all necessary. And so we're so thankful for those, those opportunities that we've had. But I also know that for many, like me, um, you've been kind of looking forward to some structure back into your calendar. You're kind of, kind of looking forward to being forced to slow down uh, a little bit. The kind of structure that September tends to bring in our lives. Summer's over. Schools are back in session and some normalcy and consistency returns to the calendar. In fact, I'm sure that some people might need a vacation from the vacation because we've just been running in every possible direction to kind of catch up on the last couple of years. And I get it. I really do. But as the routine of our lives begins to return, it's my hope and it is God's will for you to be an active, consistent participant in the house of God each and every week. You know, up until a couple months ago, I was, I was working out six and a half times a week. Literally, I woke up. I didn't allow myself to kind of contemplate whether I was going to work out today. I didn't give myself time to negotiate whether this was a, a good time to jump downstairs and, and start exercising. I didn't really give myself much room for that. I just kind of rolled out of bed into my workout clothes and I just, I just kind of did it. And then the summer came around and my routine got a little bit interrupted. My back started hurting a little bit. I felt like I needed just a little bit more sleep really anxious to get that cup of coffee going first. And so my routine, my routine kind of went from six and a half days to one to two days a week. I get it. it it's hard to get back into a routine. I hate getting, trying to get back into a, 
into a routine. But, but here's the thing, I, I don't have a choice. If I want to be healthy, if I want to enjoy my life, all right, if I, if, I, if I don't want to have to have my kids help me bend down to pick something up, right, I, didn't, I need to take the negotiations off the table. I need to get back into the routine that is necessary to ensure my physical health. And what's true for our physical bodies and for our physical health, how many know it's true for our spiritual health as well? It's been hard to get back into the routine of Sunday morning at church. It's been easy to tune in and watch online in our pajamas. I get it. And I'll go on record in saying, because this is not streamed live, there were times I wish I wasn't the pastor because I could join you on a Sunday morning at home and watch from home. It's hard to get back into a routine, but you know what? God's designed us to be together regularly so that we can grow. Do you know that research has shown that the once a month church grower, goer is the fastest growing segment in the church? I'll repeat that. The once a month church goer is the fastest growing segment in the church. What's that gonna to communicate to our next generation? How is that gonna play out in our kids that we are trusting God will use to kind of carry the torch and the truth of the gospel to the world around us? Now, please hear me. I don't say that to make anybody feel guilty. You're here this morning. And so obviously that's not, you're not my intended audience. But I bring that up not to shame anybody, but to bring some good news that we have identified a large piece of the problem as to why so many Christians feel disconnected from one another and disconnected from God because God has designed us to be in fellowship with one another. That's how he's wired us. It's how he's designed us. And we are the gift to one another to experience the best that God has for our lives. You are the gift and the blessing to one another. You see, the remedy for disconnection is not religion. The remedy is community. The remedy is connection. The remedy is gathering together and growing together. Bless their hearts. <laughs> because hope it happens right here. It's here that we're reminded about truth. It's here that we're encouraged in our faith. It's here that we build on our understanding of God and it becomes clearer and clearer as we walk out our days. It's here that we learn to see ourselves as God sees us. It's here that we shake off the stinking thinking of the world around us and we get a proper and healthy and biblical perspective on the world around us. It's here that we encourage one another, we learn from one another, we lean on one another, and we equip one another to be Jesus to the world around us to whom we called, we're called to reach. Paul, in writing to the Timothy, says, the church of the living God, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the church of the living God is the pillar and the foundation of truth. 
We live in a world that is deceived and it is chasing after every lie to try and find fulfillment and satisfaction. Church, you have the hope. You have the answer. You have the truth. And it is in Christ and Christ alone. And the church is the place that not where we come and we religiously do what we need to do. It's here that we engage in authentic Christian community. We uphold truth and we encourage each other to live that truth out in our lives. Many of you have received, if you haven't got one, make sure you get one before you go, a card just like this when you first walk in. And I'm excited. We've got a lot of new ministries that are starting up, others that are, a lot of others that are resuming and we are really focusing on trying to make, uh, make available for each and every one of you, at no matter what stage of life you're in, we're looking forward to giving you opportunities to continue to build and grow in your faith and walk with Jesus. Be sure to check this out and see where you might be able to plug in and, and engage with one another because these are the places, this is the place where it is the pillar and ground, the, the, the pillar and the foundation of truth, and in every one of those ministries, it's where we uphold truth, and we encourage each other to live out the truth. Hope, it happens here. It happens here. I wanna point out three specific truths that you can have hope in this morning, regardless of what's going on around you, regardless of our world, regardless of the situations. There are three things that I wanna to highlight to you this morning that no matter what's going on around us, it will not change because hope happens here. Number one, you have hope because God has a plan for your life. You have hope because God has a plan for your life. You are not a victim of circumstances. Nothing happens to you by accident. God has a plan for your life. You were created by God. He made you with a purpose and for a purpose. His design and creating of you was with intent. He placed you uniquely in the family that you have and equipped you with the gifts that you possess. You know, the greatest question in human history has always been, who am I and why am I here? God offers us the answer to those questions, which give us hope. One of the most famous verses in all of the scripture is found in the book of Jeremiah. The backdrop of this passage is that Israel had been conquered by Babylon. And many of the Israelites were being taken into captivity. This was a time that was known as the exile. It was a very painful and a very dark time in Israel's history. Many of God's people had lost hope. And they began to believe that God had forgotten them. I would argue that many of us today may feel that very, same, many, that very same way. After years of a pandemic, perhaps relational conflict or some devastating diagnosis, we may wonder, certainly not out loud, but internally, God, have you forgotten? God, do you really care? We could be tempted to, to lose hope. 
That's what many of them were experiencing during that time of the exile. However, the writer makes a profound statement as he writes to God's people in the the midst of that difficult and devastating time. And he says these words, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. And then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. And you will seek me and you'll find me when you search for me with all of your heart. God places hope in the hearts of his people. He tells them that though they are now living in a land that was not their own, and though Jerusalem at that time had been destroyed, God was not done with them yet. He had a plan for them. He had a purpose for them. He had a future for them. He still had plans to prosper them and not to harm them. God was working, in fact, a better future for Israel because he had not forgotten about them. And likewise, wherever you find yourself today, I want you to know that God has a plan, that God has a purpose for your life. I want you to know that God knows where you're at. He knows your address, not just geographically, but he knows where you're at emotionally. He knows where you're at spiritually. And he cares. He really, really cares. He has a hope and a future for us. He says, you will seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And you see, the church is the place where truth is taught. It's the place where we are reminded that our hope is tied to the fact that God has a plan and a purpose for our life. The more disconnected we get from the house of God, the more distant that hope oftentimes feels. But it's here that we're reminded of the truth of God's word and that hope is held in high regard. Secondly, you have hope in God's never-ending love for you. Regardless of what's going on around you, no matter what difficulties you may face or what this world has to offer, I want to remind you that you can have hope in the fact that God's love for you will never, never end. The truest thing about you is that you are loved by God. Love is the most powerful force on the earth. The Apostle Paul, he appeals to the powerful love of God as he he writes to the early church in Rome. Similar to Israel, Rome was going through a difficult time finding themselves in a foreign land, in the foreign land of Babylon. And God's people were in the midst of a time and a season of much sin. And they were in this foreign culture of Rome where sin was abounding. And the people of God were wondering, what are we doing here as sin is abounding? It was a difficult time and a difficult place to be, complete with persecution and suffering. But Paul wanted to instill hope into the lives of the believers. And he pens these words to them and they apply to you and I this morning. 
And he asks the question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Shall any of those separate us from the love of Christ? He says, no, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul writes, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul reminds them that you are more than conquerors. You are not defeated. No matter how bad things may appear around you or how hopeless it may seem at that moment, you are overcomers. Why? Why does Paul make this claim with such conviction? It is because of God's love for them. He is convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Death can't do it. Demons can't do it. Pandemics can't do it. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ that we are recipients of. God's love is so prevailing and so potent that it is ever present and it is never, ever ending. God loves us no matter what. And in a world where this word love is tossed around so lightly, I want you to know that God's love for you goes beyond any love that you have ever, ever experienced. It is a whole kind of love. It is an unconditional love. It is an unwavering love. It is not conditional upon your circumstances. It is complete. It is an unchanging love. And in a world where this world is, this word love is so easily tossed around, God extends his love in totality because it's the very essence of who he is. He is the epitome of love. Our hope is found not only in his plan for us, but also in his love for us. Right? A plan without love isn't gonna do us any good. Hey, I've got a plan for you, but if I don't like you, you're not gonna walk in it. God not only has a plan for your life, but God has love for you, so much so that he's gonna walk you through and carry you across the finish line. There is nothing that can separate us from the love that God has for us through Jesus. And that truth empowers us to face any challenge that life may serve up. And then lastly, we can have hope in God's strength. We can have confidence in God's ability to accomplish that which he has started in our lives. Paul writes to the church of Philippi, he says, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, he'll complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. He has the ability and the power and the love in his heart for you to accomplish 
what he's begun. We have hope in God's strength. Hey, listen, living the Christian life is no easy task. Living counterculturally is not easy. And have you noticed, have you found yourself living counterculturally? Is that becoming more and more clear in your life? I know it's not easy. Loving our enemies, giving generously, serving faithfully, and avoiding sin obediently are all very costly endeavors. The way of Jesus is not something we can do on our own. If you're trying to live out your faith and your own strength, you've hit the wall as many times as I have and frustrated because you couldn't accomplish it. But I wanna encourage you, it is not for you to do it in your own strength, but his strength and his power will help you along the way and accomplish everything that God calls you to do. We must rely on God's strength to do it. Paul speaks to this hope we have when writing to the early church in Philippi. Once again, a people surrounded by a very, di very difficult time, people surrounded by persecution and suffering and imprisonment and being in the sights negatively of the world around them. In fact, as Paul wrote this letter, he writes this letter from a prison cell in chains because of his testimony in Jesus. You would think that Paul is feeling hopeless at the moment. However, it's quite the opposite. He is overflowing with hope as he pens these words to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter four and verse 13. He says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. When we become followers of Jesus, the Spirit of God actually takes up residence inside of us. The Spirit of God dwells in us and it becomes the engine behind our faithful obedience to Christ. He who began a good work in us, he's gonna complete it. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And so when you feel like you can't forgive that person who hurt you, the Spirit of God will give you the strength that is necessary to live out your faith in obedience to that call in such a way that it will not only set them free, but it will set you free from the bitterness and the vengefulness that follows unforgiveness every single time. when we want to defeat a sinful pattern in our lives. You know, that thing that we try so hard to get over, we think, I can't possibly stop doing this. I wanna remind you that we don't have to do it alone. You can rely on God's strength. When we want to make a difference in the world by serving those around us, we can accomplish much, not because of our hard work, but because of the work of God that is done in us and through us by the Holy Spirit. God gives us the ability to accomplish that which he calls for us to do. We need to lean on his strength. A 
few weeks ago, I sat by the bedside of my dear friend and my brother, Andy Friamonti. We'd run together for 40 years, almost 40 years. He had become a friend, a mentor, co-labor in Christ, a father in the faith. Our, our relationship went deep. We talked about so many things together. Andy was, was larger than life, many of you know. You couldn't slow the guy down. It was interesting as we had the celebration of life service and you just heard about all of the different things that he was involved in. You thought, how in the world did he ever have time to work? The, flat, the last few years of Andy's life was full of doctor's appointments and procedures, chemotherapy and disappointments, a lot of pain. We'd often talk about many of the challenges that he was personally facing in his own health and in caring for his, his dear wife, Kathy. And just when a person would normally ask the obvious question, how in the world did you get through this? He'd always stop in the midst of the, what he called complaining. And he'd say, you know, though, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You know, sometimes those all things aren't all the things that we want to experience. As I sat by his bedside, he, he made it abundantly clear that despite all that he was going through, he knew where he was going and he knew whose face and presence that he was soon to stand before. And that brought a smile to his face brought strength to his heart, hope, knowing that the one who strengthened him was the one who was soon, very soon, about to embrace him. You see, our hope, it extends not only through this life, but onto the next. And it carries us into our eternal destiny where our hope becomes realized in the, in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My prayer for each of us today is that we would be bursting with hope, grounded in hope as we become more and more aware of God's plan for our lives. We become more and more aware of God's love for us as we become more and more aware of God's strength to help us to accomplish that which he's called for us to do. Hope happens here. It happens because of Christ, but it happens in the community of Christ. And it's there that we are called to gather together and sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron. So one friend sharpens the countenance of the other.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together today. Lord, this is so much more than just a pep talk. For it is your word grounded in truth. You have designed us in such a way that we gather together, we come together to put into perspective the infiltration of all of the lies of the world around us. Surely the church is the pillar and foundation of truth. We thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you because of that hope we have a plan and a purpose. We thank you because of the hope that we have that we can rest in your unchanging love for us. Thank you that we have a hope in knowing that you who began that work in us will complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Lord, would you do a work in our hearts today? Lord, would you help us to live out this life that you've called for us and invited us to live out? Help us to walk it out faithfully. Help us to walk it out diligently. Help us to walk it out with the disciplines necessary and consistent with the new life that we experience in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the gift of one another. We thank you for the gift of your love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.